0: part of our advanced section of training, and we're thinking about medic training, being trained to be carers for one another, being, if you like, spiritual medics, pastoral carers, one for another. So if you uh, would, uh, uh, well, I'd recommend this book to you if you'd like to have a read. It's a fairly, uh, it's a good study book, really. It's not an easy read book, but it's a good training manual, really, for helping us as members of local churches to care for one another and it's also good that, um, uh, as God has made it uh, happen, that this last one is when John and Hannah are with us because they're medics, they're uh, junior doctors, and uh, they're going out to use those gifts and abilities, physical um, help in medical ways of people uh, there in Central Asia, but also they're going to help in a spiritually medical sense, uh, bringing the gospel to bear on people's, in people's lives. So let's ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, as we look at this final uh, session in our series of agents of grace as we think about ourselves as those who have been, have been called for a special mission, a special purpose to live for you as your disciples in this world. Lord, thank you for the things that we've been reminded of during this series, the things that we've learned. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to continue to put these things into practice in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be a church full of those who care for one another, caring for each other, uh, trained medics, as it were, spiritual medics, there with that first aid kit. To come alongside one another and lord help us then to take that that message lord that that first aid as it were out into the world as we share the gospel with other people in in desperate need so please lead us and guide us as we look at our final subject in this series in, in jesus name we pray amen amen great so uh, as agents of grace as we've been thinking over these weeks we're part of a team and we need to work as a team. And we thought of that the last couple of weeks. And we need to care for each other and support each other. And that's very important. And if any one of us gets hurt or injured in the in the work as agents of grace, or if one of us makes a mistake, then we need to know how to give paramedic care to one another. We need to know how to do our first aid on each other. So this is our, our final session on, on that theme, our medic training. Now, I'm going to take you to a breakfast on, on the beach, a breakfast on the beach. Uh, we had the incident read by Adam just a, a few moments ago. And, and Jesus has risen from the grave, great news, and he's appeared to all the key disciples by now on a couple of occasions, but he wasn't with them all the time. He wasn't with them on every every occasion. Um, so in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, it tells us that after his suffering, Jesus he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one of those appearances, it was this breakfast on the beach. So imagine it, it's the Sea of Galilee, the large, large lake. The disciples hadn't seen Jesus for a little while at least. And Simon Peter didn't want just to sit around doing nothing. And he was a fisherman. So he says, Well, I'm going fishing and the others join him in the boat. So they're out on the Sea of Galilee, and they're at it all night, but they catch nothing. Now, similar to a miracle that took place three years earlier, a stranger appears on the distant shore, and he suggests that they try again, this time throwing the net over the right side of the boat, and they do so, and immediately they catch, and then they struggle to haul in such a massive load of fish, and they realize that it's the Lord And they come to shore and they see a fire and there's fish and there's bread already cooking, baking on that fire. In John's gospel that Adam read to us, it says in verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. There's a lesson in that, but we won't go into that now. Verse 12 says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish, reminiscence of another miracle with bread and fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now let's think about Peter. We can imagine Peter is still struggling with his feelings. He's not so sure if or what his place will be in God's plans. Why? Because Peter had let the Lord down big time, hadn't he? Try to put yourself in Peter's sandals. He had strongly claimed that he would follow Jesus. He had strongly claimed that he would stand with Jesus and support him even in the face of death. But when Jesus was on trial, with Jesus within view, with Jesus within earshot, he had strongly denied belonging to him. In Mark's gospel in chapter 14, We see there, he began on this occasion to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster, rooster crows twice, you'll disown me three times. And he broke down, and he wept. After the resurrection, Jesus had not ignored Peter. He even referred to him specifically. But we can understand, can't we, that Peter still feels damaged goods. A would-be leader who was now broken. A failure. A potential missionary. A pastoral leader who was now sidelined. I imagine that's how he would feel, wouldn't you? But notice one good thing. And this is an important thing. Peter is not running away from Jesus, is he? He's staying close by. He still believes that Jesus died for him. He still believes that Jesus is the saviour that he needs, and he's there eating the meal Jesus has prepared. He's not running away. And there's an important lesson here for us. You may feel you've blown it. You may feel sidelined. You may feel damaged goods for whatever reason. But do not run away from Jesus. Stay around Jesus, stay around his people, stay listening to his word, stay eating the bread, stay, stay eating the meal that Jesus provides, that he prepares for us. So let's follow Peter's example in staying around Jesus. And after the meal, Jesus has a fireside chat with Peter. Now remember how Jesus denied, sorry, how Peter denied Jesus with swearing, with cursing. So remember that. And we see how Jesus asks him questions, pointed questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? And he also commissions Peter to care for his sheep. Now, in the Greek language, there are four different words for love. Uh, two of them are used here in this passage. Agapeo, which means sacrificial, giving, selfless love. And phileo, which means a kind of a fondness or affection, a loving that is a kind of a fondness and as i read the conversation now again from the bible i've made the distinction between these different words so listen carefully to verses 15 to 17 when they had finished eating jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you sacrificially love me more than these now some people think that these are the the fishing or maybe the other disciples Do you sacrificially love me, Peter? Peter replies, yes, Lord. You know that I'm fond of you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you sacrificially love me? Agapea. He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, are you fond of me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, are you fond of me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I'm fond of you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So we analyze this little conversation and we see that twice, two times, Jesus asks whether Simon Peter sacrificially loves him. Agape. three times peter can only bring himself to say that he loves jesus with a tender affection or a fondness which is still powerful still wonderful but it's as if peter can't bring himself to declare his undying love that he would have done in the past he always meant well peter but he'd speak without thinking and make big claims and in this awful situation as he denied jesus He lets Jesus down big time. Now Peter is humbled as he recognises his weakness. He knows that he can't always keep his good intentions. He used to be quick to make big statements, bold statements. And so when Jesus asks him on this third occasion, are you fond of me? Peter is finding this really hard. And three times, doesn't that draw attention to his three times denial of Jesus? Just a little while ago this is painful surgery on peter but this is what he needs to face this is what he needs to go through now if we are to be an effective christian medic missionary pastor we need to be willing to be probed by jesus questions about our love to be willing to face our failures to be confronted with our weaknesses to go recognizing owning our weaknesses Peter is possibly suspecting that his failure has ended his service, that he's now seen the worst in himself and he's experienced his his weakness when he thought he would stand with Jesus to the death. But the muddy waters of his heart have been stirred up and and he hates the smell that he detects in there. Now, the other day on Friday, I looked at someone's broken fence because it was wobbling in the wind and I shored it up with some pieces of wood to stop it from blowing over and temporary repair. But the wooden posts and the panels, well, they're broken and rotten. It's almost past repairing. I think Peter feels a bit like that. Maybe you do. A bit rotten. And Peter can can barely declare his outright love for Jesus. He's seen how unsuitable he is to serve in the kingdom of jesus but you know what he is exactly the person that jesus chooses and to perform a key leadership role in the life of the church isn't that wonderful we see how that jesus doesn't fire him but he hires him jesus doesn't fire him he hires him now peter does seem unsuitable he's proved that he's a failure he can be the the worst of failures, but because he's now seen it and he's humbled by it, and because he's staying close to Jesus, eating the food, the meal that Jesus prepares for him, he's exactly the kind of person that Jesus will so graciously use. Three times over, Jesus gives Peter his commission, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus doesn't fire him, he hires him. Now, the best medics in the agency of grace, the best pastoral carers, the best the best spiritual first aiders in the agency of grace are those who have seen the worst in themselves and those who realize their own brokenness, even those who have scars. You see, a good pastoral carer, a good fellowship first aider is not a proud person with a superior attitude, but a humble person who sees themselves as a broken person recovering. A broken person recovering who is now helping other broken people to find healing in Jesus. Now I'll put this point in because it's very important that we don't have to learn the hard way in everything. We don't have to learn the way that Peter did in how he denied Jesus with curses. We can think before we speak. We can learn lessons from people like Peter and from the mistakes that others have made before us. And we can see our own weaknesses without having to experience every failure. So let's be encouraged that we don't have to learn the hard way in everything. That, that's the ideal way, not to have to learn the hard way. And, and, and young people, as you're growing up, you don't have to learn the hard way. You don't have to learn the hard way. Listen to us all this as we, as we share things. We, might, we don't know everything, but we have learned some experiences the hard way, and you don't have to. But... As we come humbly before God today, with a repentant heart, with a desire to be close to Jesus, to eat the meal that he's prepared for us. He says to all of us in one way or another, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. So let's be encouraged that we can, with our brokenness, be effective agents of grace as medics on the battlefield, caring for one another. So then lastly, there are some bible guidelines for pastoral medics and we're looking at galatians 6 verse 1 to 5. now we could spend a lot of time on this and i've deliberately kept this short today because we've had the, the honor of having john and hannah and max and zoe with us but let's briefly look at some guidelines for pastoral medics and the key things are this gentleness caution for all humility and personal responsibility Galatians 6 verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you you also may be tempted. So the default is gentleness. The default position in our pastor, being pastoral medics, is gentleness. You know, someone who's rough with a, a person who's fallen over in the streets or being in a car accident, the person who's rough with them isn't going to be a very good medic, are they? The person who kind of is rough and brusque with someone in hospital isn't going to be a good good doctor or medic. We need to be quick to listen, to diagnose carefully, slow to speak. Listening, understanding and restoring gently. Think how the Lord came to you. Think how the Lord has come to us, not lording it over us, but serving us, even laying down his life for us come to me all you are weary and heavy burden I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light he says to us he appeals to us with a gentle spirit a gentle heart we also need to be watchful and cautious there needs to be an element of caution as it says here but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted as we try to help others as we listen As we try to understand, as we try to restore, we can easily find ourselves tempted by the same sin that that person who we're trying to help has been trapped into. We can find ourselves simply excusing the sin of the person that we're helping because we're feeling empathetic towards them. We need to care for that person with gentleness, but we need to hate the trap that they're in and make sure that we don't fall into the same trap ourselves. But of course, it's not just being a medic when sin is the problem. There are burdens of life, the the hurts, the extra baggage, the the pressures that that weigh people down, the the painful experiences that, that folk go through. The Christian medic needs to be ready to come alongside and help others to carry that burden. And so it says in verse two, to carry each other's burdens, to carry each other's burdens. And we see it's something for all of us. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So it's for all. We all can be involved in being pastoral medics. Notice that it's not just one doing the carrying, but it's each other's plural. It's a mutual thing. You need to be ready with your first aid kit. You need to be there with that spiritual first aid kit all the time to come alongside others. And you need to be willing to allow others to help you as well. And that's important. We need to be willing to let others put the plaster on our sores as well. Now, in 1 Peter chapter uh, 5, verse 1 to 4, this is the same Peter who we we're thinking about earlier, who is writing to church elders, and he writes to them as a fellow elder, a fellow leader. And he says to them in 1 Peter 5, verse 1, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of to the flock. So we see that in the New Testament church there are to be elders, pastors appointed to, to lead in the care of the flock, people with a particular responsibility to be pastoral medics if you like. But in general being ready with that spiritual first aid kit is for all of us and at very minimum, at a very minimum we're to be praying for one another. So we need to let the leaders lead uh, and we need to let them take that lead. But we also need to recognise that we all have a role to play as being, uh, in being pastoral medics. So it's for all. And then we also see that it needs humility. Now, we don't go to an injured agent as a know-it-all. We don't go to, to a person who's hurting as a know-it-all. Now, we may know our stuff. Uh, we've been trained. But we don't know it all, do we? And we're very wary of our own faults. We need that humility. As Jesus used the the parable, uh, the picture of someone with a great plank in their eye, trying to help someone with a little tiny speck of dust in their eye. We need to recognise that we may have that, that plank in our eye. So get the plank out your eye first and get that chip off your shoulder and approach that poor person in their situation, trapped in a sin, or maybe just under the load of the burdens and pains and hurts of life. Go to them with a humility. Verse 3 says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. So we need to go in with that humility. And there's also a need for personal responsibility. Verse 4 and 5, personal responsibility. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone. That's a kind of a healthy pride that you, you're doing a good job, not a kind of a sinful big-headed pride. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So we need to test our own actions and we need to carry our own load. Now it's not very nice or easy to be lectured by uh, uh, about being healthy. So imagine you're being lectured uh, to be healthy, to eat well, and to watch your weight and all these things. And you find out that you're being lectured to by a heavy drinking, chain smoking, pie gobbling healthcare worker. It's not very, it wouldn't be very easy to receive the advice from that kind of person, would it? I grew up in the, well, 1970s, and there were some doctors that were like that, I think, back then. But, um, but, but we're medics in the agency of grace, aren't we? The agency of grace. And we need to take personal responsibility as we seek to help others, we need to take personal responsibility for our own spiritual health. And because I belong to a fellowship of lovely, caring people, and you are, and it's wonderful. I must not think, though, that that I can just receive and receive and not do what I need to do. I may need help to run, but if I can walk, I need to walk. There are areas where we need support to one another. there are things that we know that we need to do to maintain our spiritual health and we need to do what we can i don't need and i shouldn't sponge off everybody but i take responsibility to do what i can do and equally if I, i need help i need to be willing to humbly accept it so there's a balance there but i need to take my personal responsibility if there are sins i need to confess before god that i haven't that's my responsibility If basically picking up the Bible to read a little section each day to start to read it and to pray, if I'm not doing that, well, it's no point just asking for help if I'm not doing what I know I need to be doing each day to maintain my own spiritual health. And of course, if we are seeking to help others, we need to be praying, we need to be reading our Bibles, we need to be getting to know what's in our first aid kit. Now, there's a lot more we could say about being medics in the life of the church. But we, we know that we need wisdom. It's not easy. Many situations are challenging, and we also need discretion to avoid caring for each other to become a source of gossip. That's one danger. As we all get involved in caring for each other, praying for each other, finding out what's going on in people's lives, we need to have that discretion to recognize. Well, there's some things that maybe I'm not going to share with others. I'm just going to keep between this person and myself. There needs to be an element of discretion, and we need to make sure that we're not a source of, of gossip and and maybe passing on something that which hasn't yet really been understood about the situation it's very easy to jump on a bandwagon that's what's going on in the news at the moment isn't it you know people hear tittle tattle and it gets into social media and it all blows out of proportion and people react and, and things get blown out of, out of out of proportion and we need to be careful about that and also i suppose if you remember when you're back in the playground as a child and someone falls over and grazes their knee and almost the whole school gathers around and then the teacher comes along with the first aid kit or the dinner lady or dinner, dinner man <laughs> comes along with the first aid kit and uh, says, give, give them some space. Don't, don't squeeze in and give them some space. And, and sometimes as a church, we, we see someone hurting and uh, we just need to be wise, not all to pile in. And sometimes just to let certain people, we can see that, oh, yeah, they're, they're helping them out and they're trying to help them. And, and in the background, we can be praying for them. And maybe a bit later on, uh, when things are calmed down, we can send that card or send that message and so on. So we need wisdom and we need to make sure that we don't, uh, that we keep discretion. So those are key things, but lots more we could say, but we'll, we'll move on and draw to a conclusion. And the, the great thing is this, that God calls us to be, though we are broken people, he calls us to be his agents of grace and to serve him as medics one to another. Even people who feel they are damaged goods, he calls us to be agents of grace, to care for his sheep to care for his people and we can see that we have a role we all have this role in one way or another to different degrees some take the lead as pastors and elders do but it's a mutual care for all and by all and at a minimum we need to be praying for each other often and I really encourage you to to get a list of the names of of folk in the church and to go through it and pray for one another regularly through the week week in week out let's pray for each other and we're all given a first aid kit as well. We're all given a first aid kit. And we're, we're to use it for each other. And it contains wonderful things. It contains prayer. And that's the most powerful thing in our first aid kit, praying for each other. We've got the Bible. How can we help each other? We we need wisdom, don't we? We need God's wisdom. We need to know what the Bible teaches, its principles. And it doesn't mean that we always throw a Bible verse at someone. Someone's really struggling and in tears and say, oh, don't worry, all things work out together for good. And we just throw that Bible verse at them in a glib way. No, we use the Bible wisely and tenderly and thoughtfully. And it is a good verse to use. But of course, the way we do it and the timing we use it and other Bible verses. But even if we don't straight away come in with a Bible verse to help someone who's struggling, who's caught in a sin or who's under in, under a burden and pressure, we need to know what the Bible teaches in these areas. We need to know what the gospel says to help this person and to be there with the, the gospel principles and the, and the words of the Bible there that will shape our answers and form the care that we give to that person. And that's one of the things that comes through in this book here, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, which I'll give one last recommendation to you. Published by Presbyterian and Reformed publishers. Let's think about this. Oh, yes, I forgot to mention as well. We've got uh, prayer. We've got the Bible in our, in, in our first aid kit. We've also got a tube of wisdom and gentleness that we need to apply, a tube of wisdom and gentleness. So, as we serve as agents of grace, we all need to, to give and receive support from each other using the toolkit, the, the first aid kit that God has given to us. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel message that we proclaim in in Firmwood, in Newark, and in Central Asia, it's about a doctor who came from heaven, isn't it? It's about a doctor who came all the way from heaven to live amongst us, to empathize with us in a very real human way about the doctor, God, who came from heaven as a human being. And he came to suffer and he came to save. And we serve in the wake of all that he has achieved and in the manner of his grace. And a man of sorrows came amongst us to be our saviour and to restore broken people, to come as that medic, to bring back life and health and healing to our lives. And this is the gospel that we go out with. And we're praying particularly for John and Hannah and Max and Zoe to go out with this wonderful, wonderful message to a distant part of the world. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, little look at the great privilege and responsibility that we have to care for one another as agents of grace, as spiritual medics, as spiritual physicians and carers one for another. Lord, we pray for those who have particular responsibility to uh, to do that as elders, as as pastors. Father, but we all know we each have a role with using prayer and the first aid kit with prayer and the Bible and with that tube of of wisdom and gentleness and discretion. And Father, we pray you'd help us to to use these things in this toolbox, in this first aid kit to help and to bless one another. Father, we thank you that you use us even in our brokenness. Lord, Peter thought he was damaged goods and sidelined, but you called him to feed your sheep, to feed the lambs, to care for the lambs. And Lord, we come now repenting of our our sinfulness, repenting of our failures, Lord, recognizing our weaknesses and our brokenness. But Lord, we hear your call and we want to step up and say, Lord, yes, I will, with your strength, with your help, care for my brothers and sisters. Lord, please, we pray specifically for John and Hannah and for Max and Zoe as they go out from us soon. We ask, Lord God, that you would help them to be spiritual medics as well as physical medics, Lord, out there. And we pray that you'd use them for your glory and that many would be healed and restored to spiritual health and life. In Jesus' name. Amen.